Good morning, everyone. Next week, as you know, we are having our 10-year anniversary celebration. We are really building this up, and we just encourage you, like the video said, invite somebody. Take a step out and, and give somebody that invitation card. As Chris said last week, 60% of people accept the invitation when they are invited, so try it. Another thing we are going to be setting up for that service on the 25th, the, side, the night before, we are meeting here at 6 p.m. So if anybody is able to help out and come set up Saturday evening, we're meeting here, as I said, at 6 o'clock. We definitely encourage you to do that. Another way that you can serve for this service is maybe, maybe you can just come early. Maybe you can come early and just kind of greet people as they come in. Just be a smiling face for somebody. Show them where the donuts are and the coffee. Walk them back to here. Anything that you can do would be greatly appreciated to make this a success. Now I want to uh, just begin this morning with prayer. So if you would just bow your heads with me. Powerful God, we just thank you for what you have done in these 10 years at your church, the lives that have been transformed in this place. God, give us boldness. Give us courage to reach out and to invite people next week so even more lives can be transformed for your honor and for your glory. Be with us this morning and use this time to shape and to sharpen our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Once upon a time, there were two men who decided to have a contest, chopping wood. Now the first man, he was in good physical condition, very muscular. He had a sculpted chest, big old biceps. The second man, he was a little smaller in stature. He was kind of wiry. He was a little weak. The two decided they would have a contest, chopping wood all day. And at the end of the day, they would see who had chopped the most wood. Now the first guy, the bigger guy, he kind of just looked at the little guy, just kind of laughed, said there is no way that this guy, this little man, can beat me. It's impossible. So they began the contest. Every 45 minutes, the smaller man would take a break. He would just kind of wander off somewhere. So again, the big guy just looked, just kind of shook his head, said there's just no way. And this happened several times throughout the day. And at the end of the day, the two men compared their piles of chopped wood. And unbelievably enough, the smaller man had chopped twice as much wood as the physically fit man had. He said, I don't understand this. I'm twice your size. I am twice your strength. And every 45 minutes you wandered off and read a book or took a nap or something. You had to have cheated. The smaller man replied, I didn't cheat. It was easy to beat you because every 45 minutes when you thought I was taking a break, I was out back sharpening my axe. You see, that's a great story. And it reminds me how much more that we can accomplish when we take the time to allow God to sharpen us. I mean, if you want to grow in your Christian walk, if you want to be the person that God says that you can be, that He desires you to be, doing the things that God says that you can do, it's important to consistently be sharpening areas of your life. Now, I think that there's many ways that God uses to sharpen us. One way is church. That's the first fill-in today. Church. 
Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So every Sunday we gather here together and we worship together and God uses this time to sharpen us. You know, we hear a teaching. We look at a certain piece of scripture and we're taught and we're encouraged and we're inspired to take more steps in our faith. Sometimes our eyes are just really open to something that we had never quite seen like that before. Other times, maybe something just really hits home with you and you're brought to tears. And God uses that to sharpen you. He uses it to, to shape you, to just mold you a little bit more. Man, I'm passionate about this church. I'm passionate about the time that we all get to spend gathered here. But I also believe that it's only one small way in which God uses to sharpen us. Another way we are sharpened is by Bible reading. Bible reading. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp allows you to see where you are going. Right? I mean, if we shut off all the lights in here, people would be stumbling all over each other. You'd have donuts in your hair. You'd get coffee spilt in your lap. You'd be reaching high notes that you never thought you could reach. People would be like, wow, this is a spirit-filled church. It'd be chaos. Because we need to see what we are doing to get where we are going. You see, it's the same way with life. This, the Bible, allows you to see what you need to be doing. And it allows us to see where we are going. Man, I love reading the Bible. I do. I love it. I love having the Word of God speak into my life each morning. Stories that just inspire me and then they just lead me throughout the day. And I love how, the, I love how it all fits together. The Bible all fits together into one story. Here it is. The Lord God, through Christ is graciously building a kingdom of redeemed people for their joy and for His glory. That's the Bible. And that's easy to miss if you're just getting a teaching each week on a certain piece of Scripture. See, the Bible's not in chronological order. It wasn't written and in, in arranged in historical sequence. But it's a story the Bible is a story that begins with Christ and it ends with Christ. Jesus says in Revelation 22, verse 16, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. After Jesus was crucified and rose, he appeared to two on the road to Emmaus. And in Luke 24, verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's Old Testament, He, Jesus, explained to them, the two, what was said in all the scriptures concerning Himself. Man, that's good stuff. It just makes me want to dive into the Bible. And it's not because I want to know more about God. I want to know God more. Does that make sense? 
You see, the more you read, that little light in your head turns on. And all of a sudden, you start to see things a little differently. Things have a tendency to come into focus a little bit more. The path becomes a little more clear. Who you are following starts to become a little more clear. Prayer is another way that we are transformed and strengthened. Prayer. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. September 24th was see you at the poll day. Where kids gather at their schools at the poll and they pray. It's amazing to see how many kids take part in this. Now this young man, he was the only one that showed up for his school. And he prayed anyways. Man, what a courageous young guy. But you see, he understands something that a lot of people miss. That there is a power that is unleashed in prayer. Man, the power of prayer should never be underestimated. God, through prayer, opens eyes and He changes hearts and heals wounds and grants wisdom. Man, the power of prayer overcomes enemies. It brings healing. It defeats demons. It conquers death. Does that sound powerful? Man, it is. We need to be praying about everything. Pray for what you want. Pray for what you desire. Pray for what you need. You need to be praying for what other people want. You need to be praying for what other people need. Lady in this church was losing her eyesight. Doctors said there was nothing more they could do. The lady and her daughter came up for prayer. We asked God to restore her sight, to bring healing to her eyes. It's been six months. Her eyesight's been improving. Sight being restored. Is that powerful? It's not about the person praying. It's about the God being prayed to. You see, when we pray, and we pray passionately, and we pray purposefully according to God's will, God responds powerfully. I pray for every single prayer request in this church. Every single thing you put down on a Sunday morning or send in during the week, I pray for it. And there's a whole team that does the same. Because we, like that little boy at the pool, we believe in the power of prayer. It's another way that God sharpens us. And He shapes us and strengthens us and teaches us to rely on Him. To lean on Him. Another way to be sharpened is quiet time. Quiet time. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Just you and God. Just being still and listening to God. Man, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's my next move? How should I handle this situation that I'm faced with? God will guide you, but you have to listen. 
you got to shut everything off and you just got to spend time with God and you just got to listen. I mean, how many times have you made decisions or done something and it really came back to cause you problems? Did you ask God for direction before making that decision? Did you ask God for what His will was in that decision? Did you ask God before you jumped into that relationship that has caused you so many problems and so much grief? Or that parenting decision? Or that work decision? Let me tell you something. If you're being led to do something that contradicts the Bible, that's not from God. Not. You see, if we're going to live our lives being led by God, we have to let God lead. We need quiet time where we listen to God's leading. And you can't hear a whisper from God if everything around you is so noisy. You gotta shut down the TVs. You gotta shut off your phone. It's just you and God. Concentrate on that moment. The most important thing in your life. God the Father wants your attention. He wants to guide you, He wants what's best for you. So you see, there's many ways that God uses to sharpen us. And I think possibly, more than anything else, when I look at maybe the most significant moments of growth in my life, they've been through relationships. They've been through relationships. You see, I believe without a doubt that the people we walk through life with, they change us and they shape us. God uses people to make us better and He uses people to allow us to become more Christ-like. That's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. We're continuing in this wiser series that we've been on. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs 27, verse 17, which says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So the first part, as iron sharpens iron. You need to think of a blacksmith. That's how we can understand this. Think in terms of a blacksmith, because there are two things that are needed for a blacksmith to shape what he is working with. The first thing he needs is heat. Has to have heat. The blacksmith takes what he wants to shape, he takes what he wants to form, and he places it in a forge. The fire heats it until it glows red. So the heat's what makes it malleable. The heat is what allows it to actually be shaped and allows it to be sharpened. Nothing happens, period, without heat. But heat alone doesn't shape anything, though. All it does is just allows it to be shaped. The second thing's needed is force. So he takes the tongs and he grabs it and he places it on an anvil. He takes a hammer and he hits it. So he uses force at that point to actually shape it. So what makes iron sharp or what moves it or what modifies it are two things, heat and force. So force is what actually moves it once you've added the heat. So the two have to work together. Nothing happens without the other. 
got to understand that. Heat without force will do nothing. It'll just make something hot. Force without heat, you could hit on it all day. It ain't going to change anything. So heat and force work together in metal, but the same principles apply in relationships. So the second part of the scripture, one person sharpens another. We're talking about transformation. We're talking about being transformed. And for a friendship, to be a transforming friendship, you also need two things. To have an iron sharpens iron relationship, you need trust and you need truth. That's your heat and your force. Trust and truth. You always start by building trust. Always. Little by little. Story by story. Maybe meal by meal. You always start by building trust because that's the heat. The trust is the heat. You have to show someone that you care about them. That you have their best interests in mind. They need to know without a doubt what is shared, what is said, is going to stay with you. That's how you build trust. You show them that you are a person that can be trusted. And you have to invest in that relationship. That's how you show someone that you are a person of character. They have to be able to see integrity in you. So that is how you build trust in a relationship. Now once you've established that, the second thing you need is truth. Truth is honesty. It's when someone who cares about you takes the time and takes the risk to say something difficult. To push you to be better. To call more, to call out more from you. You know, sometimes that truth is encouraging. You know, when we're doing well in something, we want somebody, we need somebody to say, you know what, you're doing an awesome job. I want you to know I see that. You're being an incredible parent. You're doing things God's way. Kid, you're doing a great thing in school with your grades. I see that. You're working so hard. You're being a great spouse. I'm so proud of you. Maybe a single mom that's having a tough time putting some of the pieces of life back together. But man, she's working hard. And she's making decisions that honor God. But it's still tough. It's still a struggle. She needs somebody to say, man, I am proud of you for what you're doing. God is proud of you for the decisions that you are making. They don't hear that enough. Same way with teenagers, man. All the choices that our teenagers have to face. Choices that they could make. Man, applaud them when they make wise ones. So they know you're watching. So they know that the things that they're doing, they aren't going unnoticed. Build that person up. Be truthful, though, with the way that you admire what they're doing. Now, sometimes that truth challenges. Sometimes it challenges. It's like when someone looks you in the eye and they say, because I love you, I want to tell you this. Even if it's a little bit hard, even if it's a little uncomfortable to hear, you know, you can't have a transforming relationship with someone that only tells you what you want to hear. You can't. 
If we want to be more Christ-like, we need more truthfulness in our lives. You know, when we're slipping up or we're just kind of coasting along, we need somebody to push us. Someone that says, you know what? You handled that wrong. Someone that says that decision you just made was not a decision that honored God. And you know what? You can do so much better than that. We need that. You see, you you begin with trust, but you're actually transformed by truth-telling. All the trust in the world will not transform you if there's no truth-telling. You see, God does extraordinary things with relationships that have an equal measure of both. Trust and truth. Let's talk about what it would mean to have all heat and no force. You know, if you love someone, you will tell them when they have food stuck in their teeth. Right? Friends don't let friends walk around with food stuck in their teeth. It's nasty. But we've all been in that situation. And it's kind of a dilemma. You're at a restaurant and all of a sudden you realize that someone at the table does in fact have food stuck in their teeth. And you can't stop noticing it. It's like a billboard. They have no idea. They're just chatting away and laughing. What do you do? Do you interrupt even if there are other people at the table? Do you hope it just kind of wiggles out on its own? You do some vague signaling to let them know that it's there? Sometimes we hope that someone else will just bring it up and tell them. This is what I think. You have to put yourself in that person's place. I mean, wouldn't you want someone who loves you to risk momentary awkwardness to keep you from looking ridiculous for an entire meal? I don't want to be close friends with someone who lets me have food stuck in my teeth and don't tell me. It's the same way with a zipper being undone. Same principle. And I want the people that I love to tell me the truth in the more important areas of my life. I want to be the best dad that I can be. I want to be the best husband that I can possibly be. I want to know if there are ways for me to be a better friend. I just want the people that I love to shoot straight with me. That's how I'm going to grow. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 28 verse 23 says, whoever rebukes a person in the end will gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. So over time, correcting someone, even though it's hard, will gain more favor than flattering someone. So love is telling the truth. Love is telling someone when they have food stuck in their teeth. Love is telling someone when they should walk away from a relationship or when they're going down a very dangerous path in their life. Love protects. Now let me also tell you what happens when there's an absence of trust and an overflow of truth. Let's talk about Facebook. You know, I've never understood why people share all their drama and struggles for everyone on Facebook to see. 
Here's a newsflash. Just because they are called Facebook friends doesn't mean that they're really your friends. Shocking, but true. People that you haven't built trust with, they don't need to know about everything that's going on in your relationships, in your marriages, and the things that you've messed up in. People post these things for everyone to see, and then other people start posting on them and start giving them advice. That is not a relationship that God, that God is using to sharpen you. It's not. And the truth is, you need someone in your life to speak truth to you and to say, quit posting this stuff. It makes you look foolish. It makes you look desperate. To sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. We need heat. We need force. We need trust. We need truth. Now, another way to have a relationships that sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron, we need to let the right people in. need to let the right people in. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men become wise. A man by the name of Howard Hendricks said, Show me a man's closest companions and I can make a fairly accurate guess as to what sort of man he is, as well as what sort of man he is likely to become. Are you letting the right people in? What kind of people surround you? Do they have your best interests at heart? A couple boys were fishing at their special pond off the beaten track. All of a sudden, the game warden jumps out of the bushes. Immediately, one of the boys takes his fishing pole throws it down and takes off running through the woods. Game warden takes chase and is hot on his heels. After about a half mile, the voice stopped, catches breath. Game warden finally caught up and said, let's see your fishing license, little man. With that, the boy pulled out his wallet and gave the game warden a valid fishing license. Son, said the game warden, you're about as dumb as a box of rocks. You don't have to run from me if you have a valid license. Yes, sir, replied the young man. But my friend back there, he ain't got one. <laughs> you see, that's a friend. You see, we need to be around people that have the same goals as we do. Someone that understands what we are doing but also understands why we are doing it. Now I love my family. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my brother. And I love my sister. But I'm not going to ask them for spiritual advice because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm still friends with all the people I was friends with before I became a Christian, but they are not furthering my walk with God. God's not using them to push me and to encourage me in my faith. God's using me at times to speak into their lives, to encourage them, to invite them to church, to encourage them to be open-minded about things, but they aren't going to sharpen me as a man of God. You don't seek God-honoring advice from someone that is not attempting to honor God in their life. I won't ask someone for advice on how to honor my wife if they're not honoring their wife 
in their relationship. I won't ask someone for advice on how to lead my kids as a man of God if they aren't practicing the same principles in their parenthood. What's the point of that? We had an amazing interview last week. Man, up here. Amazing interview. The Fitzpatrick's sat up here and talked about, opened up and talked about a struggling marriage. That was courageous. They talked about advice that they were getting from friends, from co-workers, and then advice and support that they were getting from their small group. You see, God was using His people, this body of Christ to speak truth into their lives. That's how it works. In order for us to further our walk, we need to surround ourselves with people that understand our desire to be more Christ-like. Man, we need people who encourage us to make decisions that honor God regardless of what society says is right. We don't live by what society says is right. We live by what God says is right. Man, our closest relationships need to be with other people that understand that. We need people around us that want to further their walk. There has to be a desire to see one another grow, to see one another develop, pushed, to succeed in all aspects of life, to see fruit being produced in each other's lives. That's why relationships within this church are so important. That's why small groups are so important. You see, I believe God brings certain people that He wants into our lives. Small groups are one of the best ways to build these positive relationships that sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. That's why Celebrate Recovery works so well. It's the same thing. There's heat, there's force, there's trust, there's honesty because we all need someone that we can open up to. We all need someone that we feel safe with, that we can talk about positives and negatives, success and struggles. But we need to let the right people in. People that push us. People that inspire us. People that help us grow. The last thing we need to do to have an iron sharpens iron relationship we need to let the wrong people out. We need to let the wrong people out. First Corinthians 15 verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You know, the reason some people never reach their potential is because they never get away from the wrong people. It's true. You can't be around people that push you down because they are going to hold you back. They're going to hold you back. Sometimes you have to get the wrong people out of your life before God brings the right people into your life. The people you are with need to be for you. Are you surrounded by people that are lifting you up? Or are you surrounded by people that are pulling you down? Chris talked about it last week, about how others rub off on each other. If someone's always negative, they just kind of cast this shadow on everybody. I'm not talking about someone that's going through a storm because that's completely different because we all go through rough patches. 
I'm talking about that friend that is always negative, that it always has drama going on in their life. Every day is something bad happening. I had a neighbor who was the most negative person in the entire world. On and on he would tell me how unfair life was. Every day was the worst day in the world. He would tell me how his friends, his family, Delaware County, the United States of America, everyone was out to get him. They was all dragging him down. Said he'd be better off jumping off a bridge. I'd listened for an hour. I wanted to jump off a bridge. It was horrible. His negativity was rubbing off on me. Some people are honestly just energy drainers. You really spend an hour with them and it's like you ran a marathon. You're tired. So are people building you up or are they tearing you down? The people closest to you should be people that are for you. And if not, pull away. Sounds harsh. But you don't have to turn your back on them. You just don't allow them to be your closest circle of friends. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus was about to go to another city to pray for a little girl who was very sick. Word came back saying, you don't need to come. She's already died. Jesus said, don't worry about it. She's going to be okay. We're going to come anyway. And scripture said in verse 34, 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. Because that was his inner circle. The other believers were good people. They loved the Lord, but Jesus said he only wanted these three people to come with him. Why was that? You see, Jesus knew when he was in the room with that little girl that was dead, he only needed people that wasn't going to question who he was. You sure you're the Son of God? What if this doesn't work? Do you have another plan? Friends, when you're in the heat of battle, you can't afford to have people in your inner circle that are going to question your beliefs. You need people to say, if you're bold enough to believe, I'm bold enough to agree with you. Jesus got to the room where the little girl was. Everyone was distraught. They were crying. They were sorrowful. Jesus looked at him and said, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. Their weeping turned to mocking him. What do you mean she's not dead? Of course she's dead. What Jesus did next was extremely significant. Mark 5 verse 40 says, They laughed and jeered at him, but he put them out. He showed him the door. Basically, he said, I don't need your doubts. I don't need you questioning me. I don't need you telling me what I can't do. He went in, he took her by the hand, he told her to get up, and she did. Man, don't have people pulling you down. Don't have people telling you what you can't do. It's scriptural to show them the door. 
It's okay to love some people from afar. I mean, if Jesus was concerned enough about his inner circle, shouldn't we be concerned about ours? Man, evaluate who's on your team. Evaluate who is speaking into your life. You've got to weed out the doubters. Are these people building you up or are they tearing you down? Are they aspiring you to go further? Or are they telling you what you can't do and what you can't become? So here's the big question. Are your friends making you sharper? Are your friends bringing the best out of you? Are they making you a better giver? A better friend? A better spouse? A better parent? Just a better person? If you are going to be all that God wants you to be, you have to be around people that are with you and people that are for you. And you need to be that kind of person to others. We need to be able to push each other to succeed, to honor God in ways that we never thought was possible. Friends that say you should, friends that say you can, and friends that say you will. You know, each week in this series, we've been having someone come up and read a benediction at the end. And I want to bring up someone that I have an iron sharpened iron relationship with. This is my friend Rick Swoblin. Give him a hand. Now, Rick and I have been friends for almost 23 years, something like that. We were friends way before we ever gave our lives to Christ. And there's times through the years that our paths have kind of veered off and took some turns. I found God first. Huh? Technically, technically, God was not lost. He found you. That's a very good. You point. are the one that was lost. That's that's a very good point. You was way yeah. lost. Thank you. I think I get it. You were so lost, Google Earth couldn't find you. All right. I mean, it's like you were trying to play hide and seek with God. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Rick, for clarifying that. Anyway. As my life was changing, Rick's was going down a very dark path. I knew he was headed in a very dangerous direction. And six years ago, I invited him and his wife to church, and I just prayed that uh, with God's help, Rick would make some changes in his life. Apparently, the timing wasn't right, and Rick's decisions cost him a lot, including his freedom. Now, the week that Rick got out, I showed up at his door. I helped him to get on his feet a little bit. I prayed with him, and I invited him to church again. And he's been coming ever since. Praise God. He got baptized. Him and his daughter. And Rick has just been doing amazing things for God. He helps lead and celebrate recovery where he stands up and does amazing teaching. The guy's a, a great teacher. You wouldn't know it, by the way, I'm shaking right now. I guarantee it. <laughs> you ever 
have a headache because you don't know if you've had too much coffee or not enough coffee, so you go ahead and have that other cup of coffee because it's too late to go the other way. Anyway, this man does do a lot of cool things for God. He cooks and he serves people. He, uh, he's always reaching out to someone less fortunate than him. Every week, I'm telling you, every single week, someone new shows up here on a Sunday because this guy took the time to talk to them about God and invite them. Now, next week, we're having this 10th anniversary celebration. And I believe the greatest gift that you could give to a friend that's far from God is inviting them to come to church with you next week. And I encourage you to reach out. I encourage you to send an invitation. Because that may be the beginning of a relationship that God uses, like Rick and I, to truly sharpen each other's lives. Let's stand. I'm going to say a prayer, and then Rick is going to lead us, if he can, in the benediction. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we just thank you for the way that you shape and sharpen us. Thank you for the times that we gather here and we worship and we learn together. God, instill in us a desire to read your word, a desire to pray, a desire to listen and just spend time growing closer to you. God, thank you for the gift of friendship and how you put the right people into our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to be people of deep truth-telling and trust-building. Help us to walk well with the people that we love. Sharpen one another and to not shy away from the fear and the risk that sometimes go along with that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, church, would you join me in reading these words together in one strong voice, please? Here we stand, united by the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We confess that we have depended on our own insights and hoped that would be enough. God, in this moment, help us put that way of thinking to rest. Guide our community as we practice what has been instilled in us today. We ask for your divine wisdom to teach us. Amen. If anyone needs prayer, the prayer team's coming forward. Remember to invite somebody next week. If you're new here, please stop at the guest connections table. They have a gift for you. And uh, always know that you're loved here. Have a God-filled week, everyone.